It's my podcast. Change, change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is September the 12th, 7 o'clock p.m., uh, and since I've said it's September, that means also that it is now like fall weather. Uh, the temperature has done a little bit of a dip, uh, and that's all right. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both founder and host of this uh, podcast where we talk about all things uh, leadership. And so can I just tell you all something? Uh, I'm, I'm always in awe of uh, technology and science and all of those other things. I may not necessarily be one who's going to create a cure for anything, but like for people that just do things with their hands and they're smart and they do, I I don't know, I have a soft spot for them. So here's the thing. Um, This summer, my van conked out. uh, And when I say conked out, not the van, but uh, the heating and air conditioning thing, the AC went out on me. And so I have shown up at some events um, sweaty and I don't love that. So anyways, uh, not today, but a couple of days ago, I uh, went and got some tires on, and while I was there, I was like, can you look at this? And uh, so they looked at it, put some Freon, some sealant, and can I just tell you, um, my car is cool again. And, you know, you never really um, appreciate uh, some of the things that you have um, until you are, like, in a predicament, and, and then it's just like, wow, it's back. So I got some AC again. Uh, So that means I can get to like church without sweating on the way there. So I'm excited about that. I am excited. So anyways, uh, today I want to talk about something that I think um, is relevant. I think every leader uh, contemplates it. I think that some leaders do it better than others. Um, And then, of course, maybe because of this conversation, maybe we will all do it a little bit better. Um, But the reality is um, sometimes as leaders, We have to make a decision. Like, I think we are constantly making decisions, um, but there are decisions that you will ultimately have to make uh, when the rubber hits the road. So really, here's what I want to talk about today. I think that sometimes, um, especially because in the world of management, uh, there are a lot of political moves um, that people have to make. Uh, some because of their own uh, past experiences, some uh, because they want to remain safe um, to live another day. Um, sometimes as leaders, we, are, we find ourselves in a position where we, we know that we've got to do something or we've got to say something, um, but we have to consider the cost. Uh, so today, really, what I want to talk about is, like, if you really feel strongly about something as a leader, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to sit on it uh, and complain? Or are you going to say something? But know this, whenever you uh, say something audibly out loud, especially if it's in a public space, um, that can be the defining moment that either makes or breaks you. Um, And maybe it's not that it makes or breaks you in terms of your entire career, but it can change some of the trajectory of where it is that you're going to be going uh, forward. So anyways, um, the reason why I'm thinking about this is not too long ago, uh, there were some very important meetings um, that were had um, organizationally, and there were just some things that the uh, organization was looking at, kind of wrestling with, 
um, and the leader in that space, um, the conversation kind of had him backed in into a corner. Um, now, based on some of the decisions that this particular leader had been making, um, comments, um, the trajectory of the leadership that he had had for many, many, many years, he almost had to have like a last stand. And when I say a last stand, I don't think that last stands are bad things. I just don't think that people appreciate the last stand. And it's interesting, in a lot of the movies that we watch, there's always a last stand. Like the last 35 to 40 minutes or 20 minutes of most movies is when, you know, the protagonist has to go up against the antagonist and there's a thing that's been boiling uh, for the entire movie and there's no way out. You know, they're in an alley, they're on a highway, they're in a spaceship, whatever the case may be, they're, they're somewhere and this is going to become the defining moment. And I don't know that it's a defining moment for uh, the individual in the organization, but I think it's more of a defining moment for that particular individual for themselves. Like, if you don't do something in that moment, then can you live with yourself for the rest of your life? So here's the thing. This particular leader, he had taken some really hard uh, stances uh, against um, a bunch of things that were personal to him, but not only him. And maybe I need to also say this as well. Um, as leaders, there are things that we feel very strongly about. And rarely um, have I ever noticed that you are alone when you take a very strong position about a particular thing. So basically what happens is, is that as this leader is sitting in a space in a room uh, with other leaders and having a conversation about something that, um, you know, the room is kind of sort of split on, he just in that moment, you can almost see that the light goes on for him and he's like, look, I just need to just say this um, and I'm going to say it and I hope that you all understand why I'm saying what I'm saying, but I just need to say this. And he begins to just unpack uh, some of the knowns and the unknowns, some of the conversations perhaps that he's been privy to. Um, you know, people do share information and sometimes in really important meetings, uh, people don't always speak up there. They may speak in the corner, but they're not going to go on camera and they're not going to go on microphone. So anyways, he begins to talk and he begins to share his perspective on why uh, there's a need for change and there's a need for a way forward. And as I'm like watching this conversation, I have to be honest with you, I've got like mixed emotions because the way that he's talking, um, he doesn't sound like his, uh, you know, colleagues, some of them, and maybe those that he's accountable uh, to. It doesn't sound like they are in agreement with the posture that he's now uh, taking uh, publicly, but he just has to get it out of him. And I remember watching it, and it was a long conversation. Like, I mean, he went in, and um, like I said, as I'm listening to him, I'm like, I can't believe he's doing this. Like, I cannot believe that this guy is now sitting in a room um, basically saying, no, I, I don't agree with those that I may be accountable to, and I'm willing to die on this hill for this particular thing. Now, here's the thing. After I watched it live, I watched it many times over, and I've gone back to it many different times um, throughout the years um, because in that conversation that he has, I have a tremendous respect for him. And here's why. I say to myself, when he broke rank 
and decided to say this thing, he was willing to die for it. And when I say die for it, I don't mean a literal death. Um, he was willing to, to, to pay a professional death for this thing that he um, clearly had thought about. Like when I listened to him talking, he wasn't rambling. He wasn't all over the place. Like you could tell that this thing had probably been eating him up for many years. And as he's now talking about it and sharing his perspective, and he even was as courage, um, courageous to, enough to say, this is a me thing. This is the way that I feel about this particular conversation. When he did that, I, I liked it because a lot of times leaders are not going to put themselves out there because sometimes your future, you know, the places that you hope to go to, the things that you would like to do, they may be hampered by you saying something that is unpopular, especially if it is not embraced by all that you have to like live with and work with. So after he says what he says, the camera kind of pans and uh, there are other individuals that uh, they don't say anything. They're not clapping. They're not saying anything at all. And then there are others that are. And you could tell in that moment that while this guy has spoken his heart, he has spoken his truth, he feels uh, passionate about what it is that he's now speaking to, uh, it's not that he's now persuaded uh, the entire room, but it looks as though he's okay with that. And maybe this is the conversation that I'm trying to have um, with us as leaders, um, because some of us, I think, um, because of fear, you know, some people have uh, something in mind. They say, you know, before I retire, this is where I would like to be, and this is how I'm going to get there, and I'm not going to let anything prevent me from getting there. But here's the reality. I also believe that in order to get there, there are going to be many different little battles and struggles um, that you will have to fight on your way there. And how you fight some of these little fights along the way will determine how people see you and whether or not um, they are going to trust you to be able to be in a room and speak on behalf of them, even if they are not there. So now, why is this important? Well, I think um, from a leadership perspective, one of the things that I, I, I don't have the stomach for are the meetings after the meetings. And I've talked a little bit about that in um, one of my previous um, podcast um, episodes. I don't love the meeting after the meeting because the thing is, most times when the meeting happens after the meeting, it means that that space doesn't get the, um, the ability um, to be able to uh, listen to the other angles that may not necessarily be in connection or coordinated or complementary uh, to the things that you may be talking about. So when this, this conversation is removed um, from the room and it's relegated to the corner somewhere uh, with individuals who generally feel the exact same way, uh, the rest of the room does not have the benefit of being able to say, well, I agree with you and or I disagree. So here's the thing. Um, the reason why leaders have to, and I think they should, um, and even if you disagree with me, I'm okay with it, I think that every leader at some point has to get to a place where they are willing to die for, and that's the metaphor for the last stand that's in the room. They've got to be willing to die for what it is that they believe in, because if you don't, then who else is going to speak passionately about that thing the way that you will? Now, here's the thing. 
when you fall on your sword on a particular hill that is important to you, know this, that the struggle doesn't end there. And, and, and I've also talked about this before because I think that sometimes leaders think that if they're not in the room, that the idea dies. You know, I think about Martin Luther King and his dream, right? And we know that he was assassinated. We know that he lost his life way too early. Like, I think we all understand that. But when Martin Luther King died, his dream did not die with him. There were other individuals, I believe, that would have been inspired watching his passion as he traveled uh, to different states and spoke at, on, in different venues. I mean, he was even on late night talk shows. He even spoke with individuals who were opposed uh, to how he did what he did. But the thing is, he never lost his focus because I think he was clear on his personal vision his personal mission, and the objectives that it would take in order for him to get to where he needed to get to. And here's the kicker. It wasn't necessarily for his own personal um, success. It was for humanity. I really do believe, and, and I know that there will be some that don't agree with me, and I'm okay with that, right? <laughs> this is still my podcast, so I'm going to put it out there the way that I feel it. I don't think that Martin Luther King was so focused on himself that his idea, his dream was, you know, for some kind of personalized thing. And of course, as a leader, when you have gains and victories, yes, people will say, there goes Andre, and he's the one that implemented whatever. But long term, if we are focused on um, helping others and and fighting for the justices and the injustices um, that that are propelled or projected on other people, sooner or later, somebody, somebody, somebody is going to gain through our desire and willingness to die on a hill. Now, here's the other thing, too. Um, you don't always die on the hill. <laughs> Let me just say that one more time. There will be times where you speak passionately about something, and here's the thing. There are other people that are waiting for you to speak up. I mean, they've been watching you. They know how you feel. They've listened to you in the lunchroom. You've spoken to them on the car phone, on the drive home. They know exactly how you feel about specific things, and here's the thing. While somebody else may try to kill you on that hill, there are some other individuals that are like, I'm so glad that so-and-so, Andre, finally spoke up about that particular thing because I was waiting for him. And I know somebody else is going to say, but why can't they speak up? Well, the thing is, they may not have your voice. They may not have your tenor or your tone. They may not have your influence. They may not have the ability to slew and put words together the way that you will. And so therefore, you have to be able to put self aside and speak up for these other things. Because here's the thing. The worst thing that can happen to any organization is when great leaders who really mean well stop talking because they're concerned about their own careers. And I understand, right? Because somebody else is going to say, but look, Andre, what happens if you speak up and you lose your job? And you know what? There are a lot of people that have been confronted by that. And here's what I've discovered. Um, you may not be able to keep your voice in one particular organization, but it doesn't mean that your voice is not going to be warranted, warranted and welcomed somewhere else. 
So while it may be true that you could be snuffed out in one place, the truth is, if what you're saying has its wealth or weight, they say, in salt or even gold, then the reality is that what you are saying, you are going to find a platform somewhere where individuals are going to be like, you know what, we've been waiting for your voice. And I think that this is partly um, when we were talking about your odd being your ad, this is part of what I was trying to really communicate there. And maybe I'm saying it a little bit more um, as we kind of shift the, the, the perspective to which we're having this conversation. The reality is nobody needs to be the exact same way. And in order for things to grow and develop and change and shift and different paradigms to occur, somebody has to say something a little bit differently, which forces others to think about whether or not how they're doing what they're doing, if it's the best way that it can happen. And here's the other thing, as I'm watching millennials and Gen Zers, I hope I got the age groups right, um, they're no longer, and, and I, I do have an, an appreciation for this, they're no longer saying to themselves, I'm going to stay and work somewhere for the rest of my life even if it means that my voice is silenced. I'm one of the things I appreciate about their generation, even though I don't love what would what may be perceived as a lack of commitment uh, to organization on some level. I may not well, we'll talk about that maybe another time. But one of the things that I do really appreciate about those two generations that are coming behind me is they're going to speak up and they're gonna figure out how they can say what they need to say in order for something to be accomplished. And oh, I wish um, more leaders would take that posture. And I'm not talking about being disrespectful. And I know somebody's going to say, well, it's not what you say, but how you say it. Well, there are individuals who have mastered the art of saying everything the right way, with the right tone, with the right vernacular, and they still don't seem to get where they need to get to. And I think maybe part of what I would love to see more of is the passion. You know, when I grew up as a kid um, in the church, one of the things that excited me about the preaching moment, and yeah, there were times where pastors would come in and they were not necessarily persuasive and, you know, you didn't get the sense that their heart was behind the message. And that's okay too, um, because everybody has the capacity and the ability to speak any way that they would like to. But here's the thing that I loved about the preaching moment as one who grew up in the church. I loved to hear when you can tell that the one that is standing there, even though what they may be saying may not be the most popular, you could tell that they believed in what they were believing and they were willing to stand behind it, even if in that moment they had the perception that other people may not have been on board with the conversation. And maybe here's the thing. When we're passionate about something, Maybe it's not so much about other people endorsing it initially. Maybe it's about you believing it in it so much that you're willing to die for it because without the passion, how can you communicate it, right? So we've seen um, when we watch uh, documentaries um, with various leaders, whether or not they're good leaders or not, the secret sauce to their ability to persuade and move things forward and create change and create organizational shifts, it's not in their ability to appease and please people. It's their ability to say it in such a way that even if you don't believe in what they're saying or how they're saying it, 
here's the reality. A part of you is at least going to think about it because you can hear their heart in the conversation. And I think maybe what a lot of organizations are missing in these times, it's not the information of it all. It's not the education. All of those things are well intact. But I think what's missing now, and I think it's, it's, it's the reason why the motivational speaker has such a great platform and they've been able to thrust and move forward and, and stand on stages that otherwise would have been um, regulated uh, for people that came out of specific schools, Ivy League schools, etc. I think the reason why the stage has changed and the microphone has changed and the voice has changed and even those that are com- um, communicating great truth have changed, it's because... They sound like they're willing to die for the thing that they're talking about. I don't know a lot of people that are going to follow anybody that doesn't seem passionate about what it is that they're talking about. I just don't know those people anymore. I don't know that you can just come into a room anymore and because you've got statistics and facts and you've done all of the equations and you've got proof that your way is better, but you don't say it like you would be willing to die for it. I think a lot of um, PowerPoints and things that need to be voted on and uh, things that need to be pushed and pressed forward, those things have died at their conception, not because the idea wasn't good. It died because the passion wasn't behind the presentation and the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, here's what I'm talking about today. As leaders, if you don't believe strongly in what you're talking about, let somebody else present it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I said. Let somebody else present it on your behalf that will present it from your purview, but with their heart. Um, because I think that in this world, um, the passionate that don't get behind the microphone, they won't help us to move along faster and further. You know, one of the things um, that I have learned uh, in my lifetime as a leader, um, as a pastor, as one who trains individuals about various leadership pieces, I have learned throughout the years that I have had to go into some meetings afraid that somebody was going to say no and somebody was going to come after me. And let me just say this as well, full transparency. I have been in rooms where people have yelled at me and they have called me names, Um, but I didn't allow that to distract me because I understand and understood that you may be mad at me, but you're not mad at me per se. You may be a little bit unsettled with what my voice represents when it's in the room. And maybe I'm going back to Martin Luther King for a brief moment to say this. They weren't necessarily trying to kill King. I believe that they were trying to kill a perspective that would move the world and definitely America in a different direction that would that would light the fire on the importance of social justice and integrating different people groups and genders into various rooms. That's what they tried to kill. And whether or not Martin Luther King would have been the best at saying all kinds of things, he was good enough to say it in such a way that the whole world had to pay attention to what he was talking about. And so maybe this is what I'm saying as we wind down here in these next few moments, leaders. Where's your passion? 
We've got to be willing to die for some of these concepts that we have floating around in our minds. Like, who would have thought that Zoom would have replaced the flight overseas, right? There's some statistics now that are proving that big organizations are no longer sending all of their top executives to go on a plane to go and persuade some somebody about some kind of business. No, what they're doing is we're now using Zoom and we have to make sure that we've got great cameras and great microphones that will pick up the information and decluttered backgrounds so that people will focus on us. Somebody had to sell the idea of Zoom. And guess what? <laughs> Zoom, Teams, uh, there's a bunch of other platforms. I'm just talking about the two that come to my mind very quickly. Those two platforms have literally taken us through an entire pandemic because somebody at Teams and somebody at Zoom believed in this importance of interfacing technology as a means to create a communicate, communi uh, communicative uh, platform where people can have a conversation and make de uh, de great decisions, even if they are not face-to-face. -face. So anyways, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. Look, we need to be passionate as leaders. We've got to say the things that matter to us. And we may die, you know, as a metaphor. And for some in history, it's been real. Um, but if you don't speak up and you don't speak out, you may also be responsible for why it is that there is not a shift, a change, a new paradigm, a new catalyst that creates the next thing that brings humanity further and further as we try to be as innovative as we can with the technology we have our hands with. Have a good week. Hey, if you want to send me an email, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Or, you know what, there's tons of ways for you to find me. But so glad that you stayed in all this time today. And all we're talking about today is, hey, if it's that important to you, are you willing to die for it? Are you willing to be fired for it? And if you don't get to that place, then maybe you're not passionate enough to be the leader that you've been created to be. Take care. Until next time, this is Andre, both founder and owner of BSTL. And this conversation is helping us to build something that will last. Take care.